Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What up, y'all? Welcome back to another edition of the DNVR Draft Podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. I'm Justin Michael. We've got Dre here. We've got Jake here. We've got Hank here. The whole crew is here, and it's almost the draft, dudes. It's It's been a long time, but it, it's almost here. We've got a lot to talk about. We're going to do a therapy session and kind of talk about the prospects that gave us the most trouble. We're going to talk about the most recent news. Uh, Peter King had an interesting column with some info just kind of on the, the perspective of this draft and how wonky it is from the people on the inside. We're going to try and predict who the Broncos draft at 64. So it's going to be a jam-packed episode. But first things first, we've got the whole crew here. How's everybody doing? It's almost draft season, baby. It's almost, I mean, it is full-blown Z's draft season, but the draft is almost here. And uh, that's, that's pretty exciting. It feels, feels like one of the weirder drafts we've had in a while and not for everything we've talked about in the lead up probably more so the fact that you know like the broncos don't have a pick till the last pick of the second round so that disconnects you a little bit but um we we should have seen this coming it's a draft where now things are getting wonky and i think we're gonna see the furthest disconnect from the tape uh, which is what always happens, right? But then I'll be interested to see if in a week that bears itself out to be true or as happens in some years, the draft looks more like a, a mock that was published in early January. Yeah, good to see everyone too. I think this is the first time in how long that we've all been together. Um, yeah, that's right. Got the gang back. That's right. That's right. Gang's back, gang's ready. Um Jake, you want to start us off with some some news? This Peter Schrager mock or anything that stood out to you guys about Peter King? Double Peter um, today. Yeah, I mean, we can hit this Schrager mock real quick. Um, if you want, uh, starting off at number one, Trevon Walker uh, made the huge leap to first overall, eight and down to two. Uh, top five is pretty much the same with Thibodeau, Cross. Uh, you also have Iki Aquanu in there. Panthers picking a quarterback at six. Um, Scan it through right now. I don't think I saw another quarter or Malik Willis there at 20 to the Steelers. That's a pick that we've seen. Guys, it's literally Najee last year with the Steelers. Are they just taking Malik Willis? I mean, everyone has him there. Yeah, and word on the street is they kind of want to change things up. Big Ben was so immobile. They're really intrigued by the mobile QBs in this class, which is like, okay. Uh, Strong Malik Willis vibes, I guess. I guess Ritter, um, Corral, and Hal fit that bill as well. I mean, shit, Hal probably had more rushing yards than any of them last year. But um, is that happening? 
that's that does you're right it feels like the classic pick that you see every year in mocks that's just redundant for three months uh is that gonna happen though i i'm not sure malik gets out of the top 10 between the saints the oh, steelers God. you know what about the seahawks we're really believing this drew lock shit i, I don't know i don't know <laughs> Don't forget yeah, about Gino. A... They got Gino Smith out there too. So, <laughs> yeah, we'll see. I mean, that, these quarterbacks are probably the most interesting part of the whole draft. But like, there's been like the hype the last couple of days. Like, I can't remember who was saying it, but like Malik Willis would have been ahead of Trey Lance and Justin Fields last year. And it's like that's just what could you possibly be seeing there? And it does sound like it's just teams leaking this sort of stuff to justify drafting them highly. So who knows? But also with quarterbacks, like when you hear a team get tied to them, I mean, that's there's usually something there. Like it's just like what happened with Drew Locke and the Broncos too. So I do think that if I had to pick a spot, I think it's probably the Steelers. It's just so tough to say though. Well, it's interesting because in Peter King's column, just a couple of bullet points here, he kind of pulled 12 different coaches, GMs, personnel, various people around the league and a lot of the things that we've already talked about were in this column, but the first thing that he mentions is it could be the first draft where no one who touches the ball is taken in the top 10. That would be the first time that this has ever happened. I just don't see how that happens. Like somebody is going to take a quarterback or, you know, Jamison Williams or, or something like that. Like there'll be, a I don't know. It, it's yeah. It's going to be heavy with the edge and, and tackles. We all know this, but none, I don't really see that happening. Uh, going to be a bad year for mock drafts, according to Peter King, just because of the wonkiness of this class. Nobody really seems to know what's happening. And because of that, it makes the, the predictability of it all tough, according to him. And then, you know, just a lot of Trayvon Walker hype, which again goes in, in line with the Peter Schrager uh, mock draft. And I, the, it's at plus 190 on, on DraftKings Sportsbook. Right now, Aiden's still minus 200, but... The values there with this much, you know, hype his his way with a week out. I don't know. I I kind of like teasing that a little bit. Yeah. Do we do we trust what Peter Schrager has to say? It's not sure. just him though. This is very. Like, oh yeah. When it comes to Trayvon Walker, there's plenty. But yeah. This week, every mock has had Trayvon mm-hmm. number one, and I'm gonna try not to get into too much of my draft therapy stuff <laughs> um so i'll move over to the skill positions and leave you guys any walker points you may have but i do feel like he'll be a big topic of conversation throughout this entire podcast um but as far as the skill position goes i would I think it's more likely we see three of five or more skill players going from pick six to 10 than we see an offer. Because I think between the the quarterback options, which we just talked about a couple and move up potential for the Steelers and Saints, Seahawks are there, uh, the, the Panthers are there. Atlanta's there. No one's talking about Atlanta. We're just riding it out with Marcus Mariota. That's going to be fine. They passed on Justin Fields a year ago. We're just going to keep running it back. It's Marcus Mariota time. That that sounds like a sound plan with Arthur Smith, like fighting for his life already, like on a semi-hot seat. That's my Debo spot. 
I also That's, wonder if they're in the Baker mix at some point. Baker is kind of that. So there's a quote. I think. I think you could see Pickett and Willis. Pickett, the betting favorite right now, it'll be the first quarterback taken. Which again, I don't know that the hype is lining up, or or even the trends we've seen in drafting quarterbacks throughout the recent years. Like we always tend towards upside lately, especially mm-hmm. in this like Mahomes, uh, you know, like post Mahomes, Josh Allen era, we always side with the higher upside prospect. Look at Mac Jones being the last guy taken. Mm-hmm. Um, but also last year, we just had Joe Burrow in the Super Bowl. So like maybe there, you're still getting the Mahomes hype, but now there's some real just or Joe Burrow's type of hype you can get into too. Yeah, uh, upside though, right? I mean, Burrow still had some shit, some real tools. Um, totally. But f- fairish, fairish. And I think, her, I mean, the other thing that's really colored the upside discussion is Herbert. I mean, Tua being selected ahead of Herbert. Yeah. Now everyone's scared shitless of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, that should be factored in to this Malik Kenny Pickett because it's it's not, I mean, much different circumstances, but, and then the wide receivers, I think we've gone wide receiver crazy. And I think these guys are going to go really high because there's teams in the late teens, early twenties that are just chomping at the bit to jump up and snatch up one of the Ohio state guys or, uh, the, the Alabama kid, you know, Traylon Burks is suddenly a hot commodity again. Um, Jahan Dodson isn't getting out of the top 25 in most mocks. Like, I think there'll be a run on wide receivers pretty early. So color me skeptical on the lack of skill position players, because also what we're hearing, and I swear I'll, I'll be done talking in a sec, is that it's a really fluid draft after like the first couple prospects, you know, like prospect nine through 55 on most boards is going to be pretty fluid. Well, that's where you're going to side with the offensive guys, because those are the sexier picks. And that's just kind of what the NFL's valued more recently. So, yeah, I think, I think, yes, a, a lot of mocks could be turned on their heads. A lot of what those GMs are saying could be turned on their heads too. With the wide receivers, line it. Go ahead. It does kind of remind me of that 2020 draft though, where it's like you get really excited yeah. about all these guys, but then you have rugs at 12 and then that's really where the run starts again. Like I, receiver is just in such a weird place right now. Predicting anything is tough to do. Like the the contracts they're getting just honestly don't make sense at this point because there's so much talent getting in. But also like if you wind up with 10 of these guys who seem like they should be really good receivers, do you really need to take one at seven? Or if you have the seventh pick, is it worth trading down to 15 and getting one of your top three? And it might just be your number one is the the one who's there. So who knows? I think one of them has got to go top 10. A few things on receivers um, <clears throat> that Peter King column said that he doesn't expect anyone who actually touches the ball to be drafted in the top 10. Well, in this uh, Peter Schrager mock, starting from pick 17 to pick 10, there's five wide receivers, all the main five. Uh, it's Jamison, it's uh, Wilson, it's Olave, it's Traylon Burks, and it's uh, Drake London. So <clears throat> and looking at just how the board is right now, that number 10 overall pick, the Jets, I think they're a team that's really, I mean, you've heard them a lot about Debo um, in the trade market. I think they're a team that's really looking to surround Zach Wilson with one of these kind of premier targets. And to Hank's point with like the contracts and everything going around. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's difficult when Christian Kirk's out here becoming the most, uh, the highest paid wide receiver. And then you have AJ Brown, DK Metcalf, Debo all from that 
2019 draft class all like kind of throwing their hands up going, well, we're going to get paid at some point. And, you know, I don't, it's going to be interesting to see, cause I could definitely see that, you know, these teams are going to start looking at the draft and going, well, look at all this influx of wide receiver talent. Why would we pay a guy to be best in the league when we could just draft another one almost every freaking year? Because what this is three, four years in a row now where we've had insane wide receiver classes. So uh, it's, well, yeah, it's crazy. And an off season where Devonte Adams and Tyreek Hill were right. traded away for, I mean, you know, so like that's happening. Um, Jamison Williams. Yeah. I, I got that name right now. The betting favorite to be the top wide receiver taken. He should be. When he's healthy, he changes the way you defend. Like he's just so dynamic. And I, I love Drake London. I mean, I, I can't make that any more clear. I like all, I like the Ohio state guys like that. Again, I mean, we're kind of making the same points over and over again, though. It's that if you land any of these wide receivers, you're going to be stoked. But Jamison Williams is is absolutely insane. Obviously, the timing of his injury worries you a little bit, and you could say the same thing about Mechie too. But I I just I don't know. He he has the type of speed that the maybe not quite Tyree Kill, but pretty dang close. I agree. And to think that post combine, you could have got Garrett Wilson as the top wide receiver selected um, at plus two twenty five is crazy. Though actually, this says second wide receiver selected. I apologize. No, no, no. Jamison Williams, first wide receiver selected, plus 200. Garrett Wilson's still the favorite there. Okay. We have a lot of different props here. A lot <laughs> of different props. It's, uh, it's a pretty fun time. Um, I also think watch out for the Lions. Two first-round picks, the second overall and the 32nd overall. I think they definitely are Malik Willis player. That buzz at the Senior Bowl was not um, like that. That was real buzz, and I think it's no coincidence that it's really quieted down. But they got their hands on him. They got to coach him up. They got to see him in the rain. They got to see him with new teammates up and close, up close and personal against NFL talent. And I think, I mean, watch out for Detroit. Detroit's a, a big factor in all of this. That's been a common theme in these mock drafts, that 32nd overall pick with the quarterback. I mean, we've seen Teddy Bridgewater go in that spot. We saw Lamar Jackson go in that spot. Um, just that fifth-year option looms so large uh, if you're a quarterback needy team in that spot. thing that stood out to me most about the Peter King column was uh, one GM saying that teams will absolutely be chomping at the bit for picks from like the third to fourth round that the depth of this draft because of COVID and a lot of guys coming back because they didn't get to play full seasons in, um, in 2020 and would have maybe declared early uh, that's allowed people to run this back and create a lot of depth. And they mentioned the Ravens as having a ton of picks in that range and how um, they were going to be able to have just a spectacular draft. Well, the Broncos have a ton of picks in that range as well. We saw the kind of success George Payton was able to have in those meaty middle parts of the draft last year. Um, and I think that's really encouraging. I also think that's maybe a little hyperbolic. I'm not sure I feel the depth is that spectacular. Um, yeah. I don't know. It's all right. 
There are a lot of prospects who it's like, holy shit, MJ Sanders is it's still really in this top class. heavy. Like, yeah. Yeah. Carl Athos in the Schrager Mock at 29. In terms of like elite talent, I do. I th- like I think I feel like if you look at a lot of the guys, there's a lot of guys that probably would have came out earlier. I don't think that's necessarily wrong. I just I disagree that it's going to be in the third and fourth round where you're gonna see it. I feel like it's more like the late first round, the early second round, Trey McBride's of the world, the guys that you know probably would have gone if they didn't play four games in 2020. But I don't look at this draft as like, damn, if you have all these picks in the fourth and fifth round, you're going to clean up. That's the kind of thing that you don't know for a couple of years, though. Like, well, that's it, true. At this point, like those just aren't the exciting names, but we could find out that there's a bunch of starters there in a couple of years. Well, I was looking at the famous 2013 draft that gets compared to all the time. Mm-hmm. The stars were in that draft. They're just like DeAndre Hopkins, mid day two, and Tyron Matthew might be in that class, you know, like who for off field shit really dropped. I mean, it's it's guys like that. Maybe Taron Armstead, you know, like it's the high upside guys who drop to the mid day two, early day three, who then end up popping. What I found as I'm trying to stack my board and give final grades is what the 2020 COVID impact you're seeing the most. And yeah. like, there are just very, very few clean prospects who I'm like, okay, I can even give this guy a first round grade without worrying. Cause Jermaine Johnson, one year wonder Aiden Hutchinson, like th- does Hutch have enough tape and production through the years to justify that full blown, like elite grade? I don't know. I mean, I guess you get into like Nick Bosa stuff, right? Like Nick Bosa missed his entire last year, but, and had an added injury question, but you felt okay enough about it. Like, but these are the kind of exceptions to the rule you're having to make is, I mean, it's a lot of one year wonders. I do think the one thing that kind of gets lost on Aiden Hutchinson though, is that like, if you were just to line him up, with the Bosas and with Miles Garrett and just stand them all next to each other, Aiden Hutchinson would stand out. Like being six foot six and as long as he is, like, and that's not everything, but I do think that just purely physically, he does have a body that that gets just a little bit more exciting. But I, but I agree. Like those guys, they just did it more. Yeah, to that point, I mean, there's a lot of guys. Uh, think of Aiden Hutchinson. You think of Derek Stingley. Uh, Kayvon Thibodeau, where you literally just throw out the 2020 tape. I mean, whatever even hey, happened in guys, 2020. This is, our, this is our third segment. We're, we're doing our third segment now. Okay, you're right. You're right. All right. You know where you can bet on all of this? The best Draft place in the land, DraftKings Sportsbook. You can also bet on the NBA playoffs. Get in on the first round action with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports winning partner of the NBA. This week, new customers can bet $5 on any team to win. Get $150 in free bets instantly. You win no matter what. DraftKings Sportsbook customers can also bet on the NBA uh, with the same-game parlay. Get a risk-free same-game parlay up to $10. If it doesn't hit, you get another chance to run it back. That's why I love DraftKings. They're always looking out for their people. You know that they will look out for you. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use that promo code DNVR, bet $5 on any NBA team to win their game during the first round of the playoffs. Probably don't spend it on the Nuggets. Get $150 in free bets instantly. That promo code DNVR at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. 
Must be 21 or older, Colorado only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit restrictions to apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. And if you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. Also, Breckenridge Brewery. Uh, we love Breckenridge beers. Uh, I had a bunch yeah. of seltzers last night. Well, not a bunch. I had a couple seltzers last night before that mm-hmm. Nuggets game. And... Uh, my voice was gone probably like five minutes in. That's when they were just not calling anything. It was brutal. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was a great night and it would have been even, or it would have, it would not have been so great without Breckenridge. Uh, really appreciate what they make for us. And uh, they support all the things we do. So you guys should support them. Yes. Use the, yes. uh, use the beer locator on the website. You can figure out where you can get any Breckenridge beers near you. Whether you want the like Strawberry Sky or the Avalanche, you just type it in there. You throw the zip code in, and it'll show you all the locations you can pick it up. It's a cool tool from a cool company. Make sure you're drinking Breckenridge beers. That's our guy. He just lost his voice last night. Had you seen his face? Usual gorgeous smile that we know yep. from Hank while he read that. Might have sounded down because he reminded himself of Game 3. But Honestly, have no fear. He was what happened last night might have been the best case scenario. Like they were competitive, okay. and I'm not sure you can ask for any more than that. <laughs> like I'm, I'm happy with what happened. Anyways, the Broncos have the 64th that. overall pick. <laughs> yes, yes. This is going to be really interesting. It's really hard trying to forecast who might be there at 64 because, again, you know, we just spent 30 minutes talking about the the weirdness of this kind of draft class, and just I don't know how debatable at all. I mean, that's most years, so that's not the greatest argument, but you guys know what I mean. The the opinions, they vary greatly when it comes to this draft class and where people are going to go. The opinions vary greatly on what Denver needs to do with this 64th pick. The one thing we know they don't need to draft a freaking quarterback, and that is very comforting. Just knowing that there's a lot of talent that's going to be there, and they don't have to gamble. You can go with somebody that's going to bring depth immediately, potentially contribute right away, that's awesome. Like personally, I'm really looking forward to this draft. I don't even know if I'm going to turn on the TV until pick number six for Carolina. Cause I feel like we know the top five. We just don't really know the order of them. I, I don't know. I I'm, I'm, I'm just looking forward to this second round at this point. I, I don't care as much about the first round. I'll be locked in still, but it's just comforting. This is the least stressed I've been as a Broncos fan going into the draft. And I don't know, since probably pre Peyton Manning, um, yeah, yeah um, well, don't, we don't need to get into the past draft, uh, you know, nightmares and scenarios. I don't think, are we doing a draft? Yeah. Is this what we're doing? Mm-hmm. Yes. Let's draft away. I will be interested to see what the Seahawks do with that ninth pick. Yes. No, um, I care about it. I, I'm it's hyperbole. You guys know what I mean? I just mean, I'm not anxious about this draft going in. Like I don't, I'm not going to be the first minute, I'm not going to be like, oh my God, what's going to happen with Denver? It's going to be a little bit nice to know. Like, if they do trade up, that'll be really exciting. But if they don't, we'll see what happens at 64. And I know that there's going to be some really decent talent that is uh, in play. Who wants to go first? How do we want to do this? Oh, we should I... definitely snake it. Yes, yeah, snake it for sure. Okay. Okay. Um, Sounds good. Again, the idea is that you want to draft the guy who the Broncos wind up with. Like it's not who you who you hope they get; it's who you think they'll get Um, across all rounds, or just a six. That is a fun. This is our prediction at sixty-four. 
Just okay. 64. Yeah. Yep. You, you can get, get three you, shots at it. You'll get a bonus point if you get an exact match in later rounds. Mm-hmm. But okay. the winner of this is, in fact, who drafts 64. Our order will be determined by this. I'm thinking of a number between one and ten. <laughs> Seven. Two. You guys all get to give your guesses. Whoever's closest. Uh, five. Order. Okay. Jake, uh, Henry goes first because it's a Broncos pod. It's always seven, guys. It's always seven. Jake, you will go second. And then Justin uh, will go third. I will close it out with the back-to-back picks. Mm-hmm. So I really didn't want the, the first pick. I should have thought of that when I uh, you. <laughs> made that call. Um, ah, See, like, I feel like I have a bunch of really good third picks. Like a bunch of guys where it's like, oh, yeah, this guy could be here. Nobody's going to be in on this. Um, but, oh, most likely player to get drafted by the Broncos at this spot. <sighs> Let's go Nick Benito. I'll take Nick Benito from Oklahoma. I think good one. I kind of like it a little bit better if he slips a little bit further. Yeah. But, um, what, Bendy pass rusher. They need one of those, especially with, like, contract coming up for Bradley Chubb. I'm not sure if it's the biggest need on the roster. I was looking through the roster. I didn't want to take an edge, but here we are. All right. Um, I'm going to go to the position, position of need that I think should be addressed uh, first and foremost, and that's cornerback. And I'm going to go with... Uh, my guy, man, Tariq Wollin at a UTSA, the long and rangy, super uh, fast cornerback, mm-hmm. raw, but uh, man, what a ball of clay to work with. That's what I was going to go with. So that's a bit of a bummer. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go Christian Harris, the linebacker from Alabama. I do Ooh. worry that he has some of the pass coverage deficiencies that you have with the guys there right now but I also think some of the more versatile guys them being there at 64 feels like a stretch uh, but I, I do think Harris slips a little bit especially with the focus on some of these other guys Devin Lloyd and then I'm not sure how th- high they're going to go either I uh, I like Harris a lot though I think he's really a complete linebacker comes in and can immediately contribute Oh really torn between three guys for these two picks of mine back to back I am I think my best start off is Drake Jackson Um, I really like the Nick Benito pick I think Baron Browning um, is going to be a mold the Broncos will follow with the kind of front seven guys they target which is to say guys who are versatile and could potentially fit a couple different roles um and, you know, Bonito can do some off-ball stuff. Drake Jackson can do a lot of different stuff, uh, kind of a moldable ball of clay, and a guy whose weight has fluctuated a lot, so could play hand in the ground and what have you. Um, Reminds me a lot of Randy Gregory. Pick. Like, if you're going to sign Randy Gregory, drafting Drake Jackson makes some sense. Mm-mm-mm. Absolutely. Um, and then I'm going to go to Marvin Leal. I worry that he's risen in a few mocks and might not even be able to sniff. But again, a versatile guy for that front rather than that linebacking unit. Um, So there you go. Those are my back-to-back picks. And we'll see if Justin or the rest of you take one of my... That third guy that was I was on the fence about taking. 
I had Leal on my list. Um, like, I mean, he's a guy who is top 10, you know, conversation coming into the season. So if you could get him at 64, that'd be a steal. I'm going to go Darian Kennard. I think he might be the best run blocker in this wow. class. I don't know if he's a tackle. I think he's probably a guard at the next level, but I also am not sure that the elite tackles are going to be in play at 64. And because of that, I think you just kind of go with a, a guy that, again, he provides a lot of versatility, but also I think you're just pretty pretty safe in, in knowing that he could step in and be a competent guard day one. And, you know, Reisner, some of these guys have been inconsistent at times. So I think at 64, would be a nice pick. Add some depth to that O-line. Um, I'm going to go back with the uh, the big fellas, and I'm going to go with Travis Jones out of UConn. Um, we've talked about how the defensive line's been kind of weak, and um, I know they signed DJ Jones, but it seems like he's going to play some more three-tech type of stuff, whereas you get Travis Jones, you got a true nose tackle. Um, he can play you know, down in three-tech and stuff in some sub-situations, so I think he has enough versatility there to justify taking a nose tackle. Yeah, that's a good pick. I mean, you guys, so I, I wanted to take a defensive lineman here just because that's where they really just need more bodies right now. Um, but you guys took the two I wanted. So now I'm kind of at a loss. Um, you know, corner's a good move. Uh, yeah, I'll pull the trigger. We're going Roger McCreary here. Um, again, a little, little smaller, little maybe more of a slot type. We'll find out. But... They need a corner. I think that he fits well into that range. Has some tools. We'll go with it. McCreary-Sertan is a dream corner combo. Also, mm -hmm. a little Iron Bowl? A little Iron Bowl double up there? <laughs> that's that's fun. Um, but, you know, one's fluid and technical. The other's just, like, feisty um, and, and ferocious. That would be dope. Hank, you got back to backers. I bought you sure some did. time with that. I you hope did. you I hope you will use it wisely. Oh yeah. I used it wisely, but I just needed a lot more. <laughs> um <sighs> this is I'm not gonna take one of these running backs here. That's a bad move. But you know what? Screw it. I'm going, I'm going John Mechie. You know, he's, wow. he's injured. He doesn't necessarily Whoa. have like the fit, but it's you can always use more receivers. And the way that they're valued right now, I think Mechie is somebody who should be a first-round pick. But with the injuries and stuff, he's going to slip. Broncos can afford to to give him some time. I'm I'm going Mechie here. I'm shook. I like that. Um, so this is what tenth pick out of our twelve here. And if I'm looking at this right, Trey McBride is on the board, correct? I was tempted. So I was tempted. I'm but is he going to fall to sixty-four? Is he going to fall to fifty-five? And then. There goes your pick. You know what, man? Honestly, I was kind of looking around the 40s and 50s on the draft network here because I think that, if anything, they would get excited over a guy like that that would fall um, and make the pick. So it may not be McBride, but I'm going to take him here in this draft. Um, if they get him, I mean, you really round out the tight end room, get a more versatile player than Albert O, even though Albert O is a good receiving tight end kind of field stretcher up the middle. Uh, McBride just makes them more versatile. Mm -hmm. Woolen and McBride were my favorite two, and Jake took those. So I, I, I took McBride I last. Know. You had the you had the opportunity, <laughs> Justin. 
I couldn't take him first though, because that would have been too homery. I, I had to, for the sake of the exercise, I got to shake it up every now and then, or it's not very fun. I'm gonna go Chad Muma, the Wyoming linebacker, because okay. I just I think I he's one say. of the best athletes. I think he's a sure tackler, and I I just love his game. He's a lot of fun, and he's a Colorado kid, so you get that storyline too. I'm kind of surprised Troy Anderson didn't come up from Hank either. Um, final pick. Your boy, huh? Yeah. You guys let him slip, so I'll take him, and I get why he slipped. Probably not. I mean, kind of like Trey McBride, right? Like the guys who haven't been selected so far, it's... it's we don't think they're going to be there at 64. We don't think they'll be there. Yeah. yeah. I'm holding out hope Abraham Lucas could be there, and that will be... Those are my kind of my dream three. Nick Benito would have been in that mix. So congrats to you, Hank, on your very first pick. But I feel very good about my my three here. Okay. It's great draft. One of the smoothest, most well-executed segments yeah. in the history <laughs> of this, uh, the new format, uh, format. So... I won't waste any time. I think we need to, we can start our therapy session. Can we, can we, <laughs> we can, but just real quick, I got to shout out the homies over at athletic greens because they have a product that I use literally every day. I wanted to be healthier. You know, I eat too much junk food. I spend too much time clued into laptops and TV spend not enough time, you know, taking vitamins, working out all the stuff I should be doing. That's why I started taking athletic greens. It's super easy. 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole foods, sword superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens. It's a good way to start your day right. The special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system. I've noticed that I felt uh, less on edge, which is really nice. Your energy, recovery, focus, aging, pretty much everything that you want to focus on. Uh, Athletic Greens focuses on that. It's lifestyle friendly, friendly, excuse me. So whether you're keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, gluten-free, Whatever you are, they are good with you. Uh, tons of people take some type of multivitamin. Why do that? This is way easier. It costs less than $3 a day. That's cheaper than Hank's Starbucks habits. And uh, right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with a convenient daily nutrition, especially heading into uh, the summer. You want to stay healthy, right? You want to be able to go out and do things with your friends. Athletic Greens is going to hook you up. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs. All you got to do is go to their website, athleticgreens.com slash Rams, make your first purchase, and you are going to get a one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash Rams. All right, go. Therapy. Thank you. Thank you. Just uh, that right week. in on you. Dang. <laughs> um, What's the start? So, Let's pick up from where we were at earlier because we we're we we're starting to heat up and Justin was right to get us back on the rails, but now I'm I'm taking us back off. Um so we started with Edge. That's kind of where we were talking and the disparity with Hutchinson and can you justify taking him one? Is it a big enough sample size? But that's the toughest part with a lot of these guys. I mean, Trayvon Walker, it's the exact same argument, but it's an even smaller sample size. But he might have a higher ceiling. So like are you just going with, yeah, it's, it's, re, or, and then, you know, came on Thibodeau, Hank's guy. 
the guy that's probably been the most consistent of them all, at least on a long-term basis. We have the biggest sample size out of him. Nobody's really talking about him. Maybe he sneaks his way back in. This is crazy. I had a hard time evaluating all of them. I still don't know which one I like the most, but I think I've come... I think I've come back around to Hank's way of thinking on Thibodeau because I just, I don't know. He's just, he's so athletic. We've seen him do it inside and outside. What more do we need from him? This was one of my, this was actually the top of my, I know it was number two on my list of things I needed to get to in this. But it's like Kayvon Thibodeau, I am so frustrated that everybody's scared of him because Jadavian Clowney was a bust. Like Jadavian Clowney was a bust, and now it's like, well, he's a lot like Jadavian Clowney. It's like, how we don't do that with other positions. I guess you kind of do. You you get like the Drake London is Nikhil Harry comps, but it doesn't tank their stock in the same way. Like Thibodeau has done everything, and then you get like the weird little rumors, just like you do about every player from Oregon. It's like, oh, he's he might just be playing for himself. Like it's, I don't care. Like, as long as, like, I don't care if my athletes have a little bit of, like, pride and ego. Like, that kind of comes with the territory, I feel like. Again, then you hear other people say, like, I'm pretty sure Peter King brought this up in, in his column, too. But, like, what what do you want from the guy? Like, he, he puts up crazy numbers. Is he perfectly polished? No. He comes out of the Pac-12. You can clean those things up. That is just such a special prospect. Again, like, Jadavian Clowney Buss, he's still a productive player. Like even as a that's bust. what I was gonna say. If he's a bust, quote exactly. unquote bust, still one of the best run defenders in the league. You know, totally. however many years later, almost a decade later. So yeah, like, yes, but but that's he has not lived up to what we thought he would be. But if you get Jadavion Clowney, if that's worst case scenario, that's pretty good. You're still just fine. But yeah, like he's just because somebody else busted does not mean that somebody who plays similarly or is built similarly is also just going to straight up be a bust. I mean, it's kind of like the Justin Fields thing from last year. It seems like the media, I don't want to say they pick a guy, but it's like, like you said, Hank, one guy kind of just gets targeted with these like unfair kind of complaints about their work ethic, how they are as a teammate. Um, and, and you just start to hear weird stuff come out about them like that. Um, he didn't go to his teammate's birthday party. <laughs> yeah, literal draft day stuff. Um, but yeah, I hear you. I mean, these edges... It was really hard to rank the top five just because, I mean, I could kind of see exactly why, I mean, Trayvon Walker, why there's worries and why people love him. I mean, he's got these flash highlight plays where you're like, oh my God, I mean, he's only played part-time. Um, the body is just extremely long and big. I mean, it's almost like a prototype edge guy. Um, and then you just have, you know, these guys like Aiden and Thibodeau that you really have to throw out the 2020 film. And I mean, that kind of that's a that throws a wrench in the evaluation. I think. I mean, you're basically. I know it was COVID and weird for everyone, but you're basically missing a whole year of. Uh, I mean, football. I know Hutchinson was injured, but uh, same with Thibodeau. It's just it's tough. I think to for the a lot of GMs and talent evaluators to wrap their heads around them. Yeah, it's a it's a hard board to stack because I don't totally know how I can justify even a first round grade on guys like Stingley or Trayvon Walker. Um, and it's what I was talking about in the end of segment one, where I just don't have that continuity or production. Stingley, I don't totally have like elite size, um, right. you know, either to justify it, but then it like, he does have elite traits. Like his best case scenario is being a shutdown man corner, the toughest, 
thing to find at that position. And I don't know, a top five most coveted trait in all of modern football, right? In the past heavy game, that's going to be essential. Uh, Walker, you put it, I mean, you look at his, you just look at his sheet, you know, like the combine numbers and the size measurements. And then you see some of the flash plays he does at Georgia, especially in pursuit and stuff. And it's like, whoa, um, I just don't know how you can invest a top 15 pick. Forget the first overall, which is everything we're talking about right now. And every mock that's for a guy who, when I watch the tape, he doesn't know how to use his arms. He doesn't know how to use those 10 inch hands. He's the guy who's so prototypical and big and athletic. He must have the worst hands in the world to not play tight end. Like Trayvon Walker must like my four-year-old daughter must catch more balls than Trayvon Walker does, or there's no explanation how this dude's not playing tight end at that size with that athleticism. Um, I mean, the, the tape just sucks. The tape sucks. It's not the production, which we can justify because it's at Georgia and everyone's got to eat. And it's literally one of the greatest front sevens in college football history. And that's just the deal. He is not good at rushing the passer, which is the entire point of drafting an edge defensive end. And yes, some of it's technique. Some of it's just like, like I've seen a ton of raw edges and this guy's kind of beyond raw. Um, and so that's my therapy. So I'd love for you to rank just based on the tape, Georgia impact front seven players and where we land on Trevon Walker being in that top seven. Is he in because the top seven? That's <laughs> I was going to say he'd question. probably be like six or seven, but and now question. we're talking about him as the number one prospect in the entire draft, not even top seven on his own front seven, one overall, every position, the entire draft. Make it make it makes make it make sense. Make it make sense. I get it. It's pro, it's projection. It's the same shit I've been talking about on this pod for ten years now. I we've gone too far. We've gone too far. If Trayvon Walker is the first overall pick again over Thibodeau, over Hutchinson, even over Evan Neal or Kyle Hamilton. Kyle Hamilton to me is one of the same. Like Sasuke. I don't get it, man. I don't get it. And I'm not anti Trevor Walker. I'm not anti. No, but that's the thing is he's a great, he has talent. He has potential, but it's all, it's all relative here. And we're, we're getting too carried away in the, well, he could be this under this, this, and this circumstances. Yes, he could, but there's five, six guys on the board where you can pretty much, I can put them on the field. I'd bet my mortgage that sauce Gardner is going to work out. Like, I don't, he feels very certain to me and where it's just like, I just, he's going to be really good. You know, maybe we're hyping him up a little bit too much because we get carried away with this stuff, but he's going to be, he's going to be stud and Walker might be decent too. But the, the stuff about not being able to rush the, the passer, I think is the, the biggest key because Thibodeau and Hutchinson both are, are solid there. And while, you know, I think you have questions about either of those guys. I just, I don't understand. I don't understand how you pick them. I might bet on it just because there's enough there's enough hype around it at this point with enough people in NFL circles that it does sound like NFL GMs legitimately view, you know, Walker as the guy that could go one, but I don't know. It confused me. Him and him and Derek Stingley were one and two on my list because 
you know what the upside is, you know what the ceiling could be, but am I willing to risk a top 10 pick on, on that panning out? I, I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't. Um, Hutchinson is gets discredited for how freaky he is. I mentioned this earlier, but like he came in at the combine at six, six and five eights. Like that is just a, a massive long man. Like, how do you look at him and think like, I, cause I feel like that's kind of like the, what you have concerns about with him is it's like, well, yeah, but is he like, does he have like the physical traits or whatever that Kayvon Thibodeau does? I honestly think that if you can, like, I, I, when you look at him, it's just like, yeah, you should be great at football. Like, you absolutely should be really, really good at this because look at how you are built. Like, I do think that he does have more of those traits and more upside than, than people give him credit for. Are we good on edge then? Can, uh, can we switch gears? Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's do it. Absolutely. Okay. I want to talk about a couple of receivers. Um, one... I can hit them both if you guys want me to stop at one, but the first one is Chris Olave. I, so he's a guy that I don't know. I saw the speed obviously was the big thing with him. I thought he had confident hands. He was kind of like their Ohio state's like underneath guy, right? He would catch a lot of screens and stuff. Um, you were basically just trying to get him the ball in space, but can he do, you know, some of the run after the catch, I think is something that I really kind of missed on him. Um, because when it comes to that type of stuff, you know, running through tacklers and everything, he does get caught up quite a bit, uh, kind of like first touch type things. So personally, I just feel like I did myself an injustice because all year, uh, Drake London was my guy and I put Chris Olave over him. And honestly, since we did wide receivers, it's been kind of a thing that's, I don't know. I'm not proud of myself for that, man. I, I should have just stuck with Paul the gut, kept Kept London. We up did there. this um, segment so that Jake could get this off his chest. This is literally it. This is literally it for me. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I just had to say that because obviously I see the speed, the hands. There's a lot of good things about Chris Olave. Um, but just you know, seeing a lot of these mocks and stuff, he's not up there near like top 10 range. You know, he's always kind of next of the to bring up that group, uh, you know, when we talk about running on wide receivers. Who's your second one? Uh, Christian Watson, why, why are we taking this guy in the top 10 or the first round of the draft when he's never really, I mean, I don't have him. I'm pulling him up right now. He's never broke a thousand yards as a receiver. Um, he's basically just like, I mean, what I said about Olave, he's a strong, fast guy that just runs a lot of straight line stuff, gets behind defenses. Uh, his 2021 season stats, 43 receptions, 800 yards, seven touchdowns. And we're talking about this guy in the first round over, you know, Jahan Dotson, uh, Traylon Burks. I mean, my guy, Sky Moore. I mean, George Pickens. I mean, I feel like there's just a lot more pedigree out there than Christian Even Watson. John Matchy. Right. Like these, he runs really fast dudes. in his underwear, though, guys. Yeah. <laughs> it's Cordell Patterson. And Cordell finally found his way like 10 years into his NFL career. Um, but he was not worth a like, I don't know. It feels like there are a lot of dudes like that in the NFL who you could kind of adapt. Um, and we are getting enamored with those, you know, kind of hybrid guys because that's becoming more of a thing, especially with Debo and Patterson this year. But ah, 
there's more creative ways to go about it than drafting that dude in the top 32. So Debo kind of throws a wrench in the whole thing, considering he's forcing his way out because he hates doing it so much. Here's the other thing I can add with Christian Watson, though. I just looked it up. So NDSU, they don't throw the football. That 800 yards, that is the sixth most ever by a receiver there in a single season. (laughs) Come (laughs) on, man. Yeah, no, it's wild. They don't throw the football. A lot of this conversation was my thoughts with Trey Lance last year. Where it's like, yeah, he's big, he's fast. Like, look at him in his underwear. But also, like, playing quarterback? And we'll see how that pans out. It might pan out for Christian Watson, too. But I don't know. That's a... It's a project. I I wanted to mention that. His 2019, when he played, I think... 2019 would have been the last full season, right, Henry, with uh, Trey Lance. So, yeah, 34 receptions, 732 yards, six touchdowns. I mean, he did have a 21-and-a-half-yard average per reception, but I would have liked to think that when I was watching Trey Lance last year, I would have noticed Christian Watson a lot more if he was this first-round top 50-type guy that we're making him out to be. And, frankly, I just didn't really notice him that much. Yeah. Um. He just kind of runs empty. Like he, he's just, he doesn't totally know, like he knows what he's doing out there. And that to me is Watson's biggest concern. Um, I, I'll, I'm going to do my confession and I shouldn't have put Devonte Wyatt ahead of Jordan Davis. Um, that's, it's just narrative. It's just narrative. They're both absurd and so big and athletic, they will be game wreckers in the NFL. I do think they both carry first round grades, but anyway, was right. The at the age, um, and now Wyatt, some concerning uh, off field red flag stuff coming out as well with some domestic violence, which certainly one should be extremely aware of. Um, so then that hampers it as well. So I mean, yeah, th- those are enough a tiebreakers to where that you know that narrative should be corrected so congrats henry you were right let's go <laughs> yeah, yeah. good job good job uh, um, i'll have a confession about the uh the quarterbacks there you go. just kidding they there actually you. do all suck every one of them <laughs> ah, <he> got, <laughs> us. got us that was a good one that was well played well played um, um i didn't find ahead, the Justin. table enough for romeo dubs this year the nevada yeah. wide receiver Yep. He, when you watch him, his hands, man, he just, he goes up and he wins the football. Like he, he's such a natural pass uh, catcher of the football. He's a legit deep threat. He's a natural route runner. I just really like the guy. He's not the biggest in the world. I'd, I'd have to pull up his, his listing. I think it's like six one, but I don't, he's just one of those dudes that I think is going to be a really consistent NFL receiver. Um, and again, you know, like we're going to, get enamored with a, a guy who hasn't really done a whole lot. Go watch Romeo dubs on tape and tell me that dude's not a freaking animal. Like he's just an absolute baller and he's going to be a, a nice mid round steal for someone. He's one of the guys that, um, when watching like senior bowl stuff after that all happened and it was all on YouTube, that was one of the guys from the wide receivers that I think popped to me that, like you said, Justin, I don't think I gave him enough credit or time of day really after that, because I did see the talent, um, but just didn't dig in enough, I suppose. Well, and I mean, removed from the senior bowl, I think it's interesting how Carson Strong's basically the only one of the big six that's not getting mocked in the first round at this point. 
mm-hmm. um, and will inevitably slide if that's the case. Uh, but, but man, I, that's, that's the best arm in this class. You know, again, it's like Trevon Walker. Like, do you want an edge who can rush the passer? Do you want a quarterback who can throw the ball? And we're Matt knocking Mummy him kind for of his said very similar things. We're knocking ahead, for his athleticism. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah, there we go. We're knocking for his athleticism in the season where he came off the torn ACL. So yeah. it's like it's not like that's going to be his strength, but I bet it's quite a bit. But like, how often do you see a quarterback come out in this day and age who can't at least like roll out of the pocket? You know, like like the days of just like a Peyton Manning standing there and like cannot move the Ben Roethlisberger. Like I just stand here. Everybody's playing basketball in high school. Like, I'm sure that he's going to be just fine rolling out of the pocket, doing that sort of thing. He's just not flashy. He's not going to get upfield or anything. It's, I don't know. Well, and it's, I think it's worth mentioning in the air raid, too. I mean, not to simplify it, but a lot of it is just pick your yeah. side before the snap and then take your drops, man, and then let it fly. So, I mean, you're not going to see a lot of yep. like rolling out, uh, trying to extend the plays when we're just chucking bombs, really. Yeah, it's barely any footwork involved, right? You're just aligning your hips and shoulders with your eyes once you pick that side and boom, let it let it crank. And I mean, Mac Jones not teaching us anything here, I guess. <laughs> so that's cool. I'm fine with that. That's, that's fine by me. All I'll say is uh, that I've talked to a lot of people that spent a lot of time with Carson Strong just naturally, given that the Nevada staff came over to CSU. You know, Spent facts. about 20 minutes talking about him with Matt Mummy, the quarterback's coach slash associate head coach, the son of Hal Mummy, who invented the air raid. And he admitted, you know, obviously this isn't a system where necessarily it's easy to kind of be like, yes, this is going to work at the NFL. But yeah. he really hyped up Carson's intelligence, um, said it's one of the things he doesn't understand why it doesn't get brought up more. I think he's going to do well in interviews. I think when it's all said and done, he'll still probably be like a second or a third round pick. And and like Andre said, just the best arm in this class. And ultimately, like that's what you have to be as a quarterback. And uh, I asked him about the injury stuff. And, you know, he said he's watched a lot of his workouts over the last couple of months and he's moving well, at least compared to where he was at. I don't think he's ever, like Hank said, going to be a guy that's going to be like scrambling on you. But could he roll out and throw a bomb downfield? Yes, he'd be fine in that regard. Can he step up through the pass rush and and make a nice throw downfield? Yes, you don't really need to worry about it in that regard. Um, I had him on my list, but I also had Sam Howell, who I think I may, I think I've used 2021 against him a little too harshly. Just going back and watching some of that North Carolina stuff, they just, they don't have the talent around him that they did in the years before. He improved significantly as a runner, like however you want to say, like you don't love that necessarily. You don't want him to be just be taken off because he might have developed some bad habits in that regard. But I mean, when we're hyping up athleticism, we're just hyping up arm strength. How can throw the shit out of the football? And when we're talking about upside, I think I probably like his upside as much as I like any of these quarterbacks in a in a sea of unpredictability. Yeah. I I think it's interesting, you know we're trying to learn all these lessons from Mahomes and Josh Allen, but those dudes ultimately are succeeding because they have cannons, but we don't, we don't give a shit about our, you know, like arms so much as we're, we're just enamored with athleticism and being able to move and funky angles and stuff. You got to have that arm. It, it starts with that. 
And then what I really learned from those guys is how important it is to be able to carry a program, how much easier it is to evaluate a Tua with four first round wide receivers at his disposal than it is Josh Allen in the elements at Wyoming for a program that hadn't really won more than five, five games for like a decade. Right. Um, in an offense how, that doesn't throw the football with no wide receiver talent around him. Like there were, there were so right. many things that were made Josh Allen hard to evaluate small sample or, size. He got injured a couple exactly. of times. Like it, it was wonky and it's going to be wonky exactly. with how I'm not sitting here being like QB one, like he's going to kill it. But if we're just talking about like raw traits and what I could see panning out to me, a world where Sam Howell's a competent starting quarterback for 10 years, I see that more than I see Kenny Pickett like being the guy. He just, I don't know, he feels like a guy that's going to end up going top 10 and have a lot of expectations on him and end up, you know, just, I don't know, being like a journeyman type guy. Who knows? You know, maybe this clip will get shared 10 years from now and I'm going to get made fun of because Pickett's a, you know, eight time all pro and all that. But I feel pretty confident in, in saying this one. So I'm going to roll with it. I'm pro Sam Howell. I'm pro Carson Strong at the right time. I don't know if I would take a first round pick just given the injury history and there is some wonkiness, but I'd I'd rather have Carson Strong in the second round than Kenny Pickett in the top 15. I would say that. I mean, all Um, these guys but Corral have carried programs who were dormant for a minute. Like when's the last time we talked about pit football or Liberty? Uh, North Carolina, like... North Carolina sucked forever. And Howell had them ranked like three years of Howell have been some of the best Tar Heels football we've seen in like two decades. So I watched more North Carolina football the last three years than I had my entire life coming in. And part of it was Jake getting on the train early and, and getting us in on it. But, you know, it was, it was fun. Sam Howell, I mean, this is probably isn't a good stylistic comp, but like I think of someone like Tyler Heineke. Like when it comes to him, you know, a guy that, you know, he's not going to come in and like be your starter in the off season and stuff. But when you throw him into a game, he's going to play with that toughness, that kind of grit. Um, he's got the ability to run the ball and like extend plays. He's going to be a guy that when he does, I think, finally get a chance to play. A lot of people are going to be like, whoa, look at this, like kind of surprised because, you know, they never, you don't hear much about Sam Howell, the runner, um, as much as we hear about Malik Willis and all these other guys. Um, but yeah, man, I love Sam Howell. I got another guy that I gotta I gotta talk this one out with you guys. Uh Jalen Wademeyer, man. Man, um, I'm just gonna say I missed on him. Um just because I think some of the things on film I look past uh in terms of you know, laziness in the route running. I mean, obviously you saw the big body. Um, and when he does get the ball in his hands, it does, I mean, he looks like he's moving fast and he's able to kind of uh make plays happen. Um, so just the athleticism stuff was really worrying to see. I mean, he ran at what five, five Oh five second 40 yard dash, no. which is terrible. I, all that to say, um, I do kind of see a scenario where maybe Jalen Watermeyer goes undrafted. Maybe he's drafted in the seventh round. I mean, we see guys all the time come from that range that become just like pure red zone threats. I think of that guy, uh, Donald Parham, I think was his name, the big tight end that went to the chargers. No. Um, he was another guy that was just like big frame, big body. Didn't really like move the best for the position and all that, but he 
when paired with Justin Herbert, he was scoring touchdowns just because he had the reach and ability to just straight up get to the ball better than other people. So uh, while I missed on Jalen Wademeyer, I don't want to say I'm completely giving up on him yet. I want to see uh, what happens. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, still, he's just so big and strong. Like, he's one of those guys that it's like he doesn't test well, he doesn't play well, but how are you not good at football? Right. Like, make him go prove that he's really that bad at football. That's not a great, uh, not a great selling point, though. Oh, we're talking about prove to me you don't and... suck, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> like, how how have you not figured this out? All right, do you guys got any more uh, prospects that you want to air um, it out on? That you want to admit you were wrong on? That you want to take a victory lap on? Anything? We've got the draft coming up. We are going to get in a mock draft next week just so the listeners are ready for it. It's going to be our final one. It's going to be really fun. We're going to go uh, 64 or are we going even deeper? Are we doing? I think we're just doing oh. 64. Oh, really? Is that what we're doing or are we going all the way to? I don't know. We have a big mock coming. I think, all right. Yeah. We're going to do a mock draft that we'll figure rounders. out. Um, anyways, I thought this was planned out when I teased it so that that's not good podcasting <laughs> um give me your final prospects so give me just like anything oh, yeah. else you want to say so i'm before still we go here i'm still struggling with these linebackers that could be there around like 64 or even potentially like in the third round with muma and chanel and troy anderson because i just don't even know what i want from the broncos at this point where yeah. like it's easy to look at Chanel, I feel like, and, and say like you don't have Alexander Johnson anymore. This guy could be just like an easy replacement right there, just big and strong, and let him play down downhill. Muma is like uh, the the kind of covery guy, but not but not like a, a freaky cover guy. But you know, not all that much pop in the running game. Doesn't really do much to get me going there. And then with Troy Anderson, it's. You know, he's he's fast and he's long, but he comes from the FCS, hasn't been playing linebacker for a while. And that's been I've spent a lot of time trying to decide. That's why I didn't draft any of the three of them when we did that draft thing, is because I just don't know what I'm doing here. Um I I don't want to take away from the guys that you brought up, but I look at these guys like these uh Georgia guys, Channing Tindall, maybe Quay Walker. Um, and these Penn State guys, uh, Luketta and your guy, Brandon Smith, Henry. Mm-hmm. And yeah, while the guys that you mentioned, those three are like, you have like the obvious traits in all of them, right? I mean, Muma, you got the just overall passability. Troy Anderson's just a freak athlete. And Chanel, also a freak athlete that just is a heat-seeking missile coming yeah. downfield. But I think there's something to be said about those guys that play at these big programs, Georgia, Penn State, that are on the field for quite a while. Uh, have played a few years. Um, it, it's almost why they took uh, Josie Jewell, right? I mean, he was a guy that was on the field all the time for Iowa. He's there for quite a while. And while he didn't exactly have one shine trait, he was just kind of good enough at everything. Mm-hmm. To, obviously, they've resigned him this year. I mean, he's still five years going now with the Broncos. So even if you don't have a, those premium traits, I think, uh, especially at linebacker, just being well-rounded enough, will get you drafted and it will you'll get playing time from it. Yeah. I do like Koi Walker. I I didn't include him just because he's like I, I feel like he won't be there at that point. Right. No with Tyndall though, like what he's a 220 pound tackling linebacker. Like it just he so flew hard. in the combine. Just, totally, totally. Henry. But again, like it, 
that's another weird one though, where it's like, yeah, you're crazy fast with that speed only plays out in the running game. And again, you're 220, 225 pounds or whatever. It's like, can we really bet on that guy to be the one who's able to, to, I guess if you have Josie Jewel helps, but what, but I don't know all these guys. I, I think there's good players. I just don't know which ones are which. I'll say this about Muma. He's not a guy that's going to pop a running back in the backfield and, you know, get that highlight sound. And it was like, Oh yeah, he is a sure tackler though. He had 264 over the last three seasons, 18 of them were for a loss. So again, he's not like a run stuffer, but he's an impactful run tackler. And he's in my opinion, out of the, these second round linebackers, again, we're not talking about the Devin Lloyd to the world. I think he's the rangiest and, and like most instinctual Trey Anderson can obviously fly, but I, I just, there are moments where he's out of position and you see that he's still pretty raw as a linebacker. And it makes sense. He's only, you know, been doing it for a year or two, but I don't know. I just, I like what Muma brings to the table a lot. He's going to get overlooked a little bit because of the, the Wyoming factor and the level of competition. But you know, if you want a guy that was playing three downs that did it for three straight years, that was often, you know, matched up with guys like Trey McBride and Cole Turner and, you know, that type of talent, he's pretty proven. Yeah. Right. Yeah, but then with Troy Anderson, you go back to like that South Dakota state game where he basically single-handedly shuts down Pierre strong, just everywhere strong goes. Troy Anderson's beating him right there. Like what are these 14 for 94? I guess that's better than I thought. Well, I mean, Oh, there Pierre was a 40, went off though. 44 yeah. yarder in there. That's what it was. That's right. <clears throat> yeah. But yeah. And he even him, that. like the instincts are there occasionally. My thing is um, lock in Kayvon Thibodeau top four. There's no way the Jets pass on a dude when they were so high on Elijah Vera Tucker. I'm not going to retell the story, but just go back to that 2020 tape yeah. and watch KT absolutely dominate mm-hmm. a very, very good All-American left tackle who I was the highest on like from September mm-hmm. on. Um, so no shade to Vera Tucker. That's just my lock. Forget all these offensive linemen um, picks for the Jets. It's the same GM who's drafted Mackay Becton and Vera Tucker. They're not going top five with an offensive lineman. Mm-hmm. Forget it. It's why Aki Aquanu is prop now four and a half, no longer three and a half. And all of a sudden, the you know the the juice used to be all on the under. Now now it's even money. Trey McBride props Justin. Over under 50 and a half, over minus 130, under plus 100. They're going for your heart there, Justin. Because I don't want, I'm not, I'm not rooting for him to drop out of the top 50, but the value at plus 100, that's a better bet, right? Forget rooting interest, though. What, what, what are your vibes? What do you think? Where do you think he'll, I think he's a top 50 pick. I think a lot of the him dropping is due to just prospect fatigue and, you know, like how many ways can people hype him up and some of these other people rise and late, but I think when it's all said and done, there's just going to be a GM that falls in love with him as a football player. I mean, just turn on the tape with him. You know, he's, he's the complete opposite of the North Dakota state dilemmas. And, you know, some of these things we've talked about, he is as proven as it gets. Yep. So I think he's a top 50 pick. Anyways, 
Thank you for listening to the DMVR Draft Podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. For Jake, for Dre, for Hank, I'm Justin Michael. Hope everyone enjoys their weekend. Again, we'll be back with some type of mock next week. And then uh, we'll be locked in for all types of NFL draft coverage. Make sure you are following everyone uh, over at DMVR underscore Broncos. We're going to kill it. It's going to be an absolute blast. Much love love to y'all. Peace.